This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hey, welcome to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. I'm Mary Sagafi. Um, I'm a dyslexia advocate. I'm a tutor for students with dyslexia, and I'm also a mom of a pre-reader and a two-year-old, so wish me well. <laughs> um, and today, um, I'm here with Shannon. Yay, Shannon is here. Hi. Yay, welcome back to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. It's good to be here. So today we're going to talk about reading aloud, which I'm very excited about. Me too. I am. I actually have really been looking forward to this episode. It's one of my very favorite times to participate in the classroom with read alouds, and I love talking about it, and I love being nostalgic about it, so I can't wait to share with you all today. Well, and I said in the guided reading episode that guided reading is one of my non-negotiables, but I didn't mention read aloud because it's such a part of my teaching that I don't even have to define it as a it's a non-negotiable because it just exists. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a thorough part of my teaching that not a day goes by without read aloud. But it's always one of those that I um, felt like there was never enough time for. And it, it was hard to always carve out time for read aloud time. But every time we did, I could just tell the kids loved it. So let's... Yes. And sometimes I would cringe a little bit when I would, uh, administrator would come in and I would, you know, say, oh gosh, they're just seeing me read to the students but there's no just about it like read aloud can be one of the most rewarding learning times of the day and so I'm excited to talk about all that with with you today let's catch up a little bit though yes so listeners have seen me kind of come in and out this season yeah Um, uh, right at the start of the school year I was in a really bad car accident and at first I just had a lot of pain but then it turned out that I had a concussion and it's lingering for a long time. And yeah. so uh, I've actually had to take a leap of absence from school, which is really difficult for me. I'm going to end up being out of school longer than I was probably with my maternity leaves. Wow. Yes. Yeah, that's a big, it's a, <laughs> it's a different kind of a break too. Because now is. you need to, you can't do other things. You need to really rest your brain. Yes. So all the different tasks that we do as teachers with managing timing and concentrating and making decisions and multitasking oh executive functioning well that's the exact part of my brain that was affected was the frontal lobe which is the executive functioning (laughs) part of it go back and listen to that episode you guys I need to go back and listen to that episode because those are the skills that I've lost so I did this week find um, a really good team of doctors and therapists that specialize in the kind of concussion I had and they're going to help me as I start therapy next week. So I'm really excited um, to learn how to rebuild my memory skills and all my executive functioning skills. I might even have to get some of those resources that we suggested on that episode. <laughs> we'll practice with you. You can hire me as your executive function. You know what? Coach. I might do that. I really might. <laughs> um, but it is helping me understand, like I've had even some ADHD symptoms. And so yeah. that's helping me understand um, when my students get restless, what that actually feels like. And also my students that have struggled with executive functioning in the past. Um, but y'all might notice some things. Like I was listening back to our guided reading episode. And sometimes I talk really, really fast. And then other times I'm talking slower because I'm trying to find the language. Because some of my um, 
word calling has been affected by this. So I'm, I'm on this, this whole strange journey. I always quote John Lennon because he said that life happens. One of his songs, he says, life happens when you're busy making other plans. And that's what's happened with this. This is not how I thought the school year was going to go. Yeah. But I'm just dealing with it each day as I can and doing the next right thing. Yeah. And just taking one day at a time, sometimes even one hour at a time. Yes. Yeah. But I appreciate all your support with the podcast, and I'm going to record as much as I can um, and remember as much as I can about teaching reading no. <laughs> as I'm able to. And I look forward to rediscovering all of that, but I don't want to lose, I don't know, this understanding and empathy and humility that I've gotten from this experience as well. Well, there's some, there's a new road that you're supposed to be walking down with this. And so, you know, we'll, we'll just see where it leads you. Yeah. I'm learning how to learn again. Yeah. So (laughs) I'll mind that experience and try to have metacognition about it so that I can, you know, help it inform my teaching. Like I try to get everything to inform my teaching. That's so awesome. Well, I'm really glad that you're here today. And this is, it's important work. I think that we're doing and the feedback that we've been getting from listeners is really um, amazing and we're going to make more of um, an effort to post on social media as well so that you can easily share some of the things we'll take some of the snippets out from our podcast we'll take some um, snippets from our other businesses and, and share our knowledge um, to a broader base on um, social media as well however we're going to ask that you be a little patient with us um, and we have decided um, to record a little bit less and distribute our podcast every two weeks instead of weekly, um, which I'm sure you all are going to be asking us for more, which we really love. Uh, But uh, just be patient with us as we kind of navigate through this new journey um, and provide really good quality content for you as well. Um, And go back and listen to season one episodes if you were missing us, especially the vowel series, because those have not been listened to as much as our more recent episodes and we want to give you time to do that because we think you'll get a lot out of those especially some of the resources that we suggest in those yeah that's a really good point oh i'm glad you mentioned just because they're older doesn't mean they're outdated um what have you been up to so besides holding the fort with the podcast for me I'm I'm raising a two-year-old. I, <laughs> I thought I had a baby, but now I have a two-year-old. And she is testing me, and, and she's in that really lovely, like, extreme stage where she's so super cute and then so difficult at times. And so I'm kind of in the thick of that. And it can change in an instant. Yes. Um, and sometimes you're not quite sure why because her language is not quite... there yet either so um that of course is like the most important hat that I wear is mommy and I also um am a mommy to a pre-reader right now and my older daughter who's four is just starting to jump into reading and is feeling so proud of herself so we're capitalizing on that and that's exciting it is so light bulb moment at home too yes it's like we see in the classroom it, yes, and, and to see it in the sparkle of your own child's eyes gives me a new appreciation for some of the parents that I work with as well uh, on my advocacy side of the hat that I wear, which um, leads to today, and I sat in on such a beautiful IEP meeting today, and I just have to share and commend the team that sat in. Um, I've been working with this family for a little more than a year now, and they um, started when their little boy was three, and he was actually getting kicked out of the school for some behavioral issues. And um, if you are a special ed teacher, keep this phrase in mind 
all behavior is some sort of communication. And so he was having a lot of trouble communicating and wasn't actually able to state his name and things like that. Um, But he has come such a long way just since the beginning of this school year. Last year was a totally different time period. I shed a lot of tears with the poor parents. They were just really so frustrated. But today's meeting was so beautiful. There were tears shed by everyone sitting at the table because they're so proud of the progress that he's that made. That is amazing. I've, I don't know if I've ever sit in an IEP meeting Oh, it, that, that felt like that. I, I really said to the whole team, I said, I wish there were cameras in this room so that everyone could just hear and see that everyone's perspective was completely valid and um, appreciated and it was all centered around the student it was nobody held any um, ill will against the parents or thought that they were being too pushy when you have an advocate in a meeting I am not always the the person that people want to see um, at all and so they they kind of see me coming and it's kind of like oh put your big guard up What is she going to question us on? What are we doing that they're going to call us out on? And of course, that's not the reason that I'm there. The reason that I'm there is just to help the teachers feel supported, do the research behind um, best programming and best practices, and share that with the team. But that's not always the way that it it sounds and turns out. Anyway, it was just, it was so lovely and beautiful. And then I have to piggyback because another like amazing success was that I was across the street and my neighbor um, had referred me to another client and they were across the street playing and they said, hey, can you come over? I want to tell you our great news. And this little boy is in kindergarten at a private school and he is just thriving and wakes up and can't wait to go to school every day. And he told me how he was sounding out words and it's just, I love that. Oh, oh man, January and October are my two like really big critical points. Something happens during those times. When you start to see the growth and things connecting. Yes, but also sometimes there's that disconnection point too. And that's okay. when parents find out that things are not working out well or, or the work kind of catches up with the kids and there's the bottom drops out. And um, so it's always kind of my busy time. So this time last year, I felt like I was really busy with families coaching them up. And this year we're doing celebrations and it's just, yay. I'm giving a clap to you because you're not going to give yourself enough credit for helping the family get there. But I know it was a team effort, but it was definitely a team effort. And all a lot of the credit goes to the parents for sure. And it's parents like the listeners that we have who are trying to educate themselves and understand this really complicated educational system that we have in our country and um, and also across the world because we know it's not just in the U.S. that people struggle with dyslexia. And anyway, so that's what's been going on with me. It's yeah. awesome stuff that's going on with you. Thank you. Good stuff. All right, let's jump on into um, Bella's literacy and read alouds today. Well, and this one is a good episode for parents and for teachers because read aloud happens at home just as much as it happens at school. Right. So some of the things we're going to talk about today are memories of reading aloud. Mm-hmm. That gives you um, some information about our background and like why yeah. we believe in it so much. And then um, talking about reading aloud in the classroom and some of our favorite read aloud books, and also some teacher resources that are really good for helping um, us get the most out of our read aloud time. Right. And um, 
I'm going to so, share some more tips talk. about um, how to support kids with dyslexia or struggling readers in your classroom, especially with read aloud. So you'll get some tips from me on that too. Okay, so with a balanced literacy program, um, one of the big components is modeling reading. And so that is the read aloud. And that's the teacher reading selections to students. To, um, and the goal in that is to provide reading fluency and, and modeling what that means with expression, using voices, getting the kids to really use their imagination. And I always think of it as a movie playing in your brain, as you're not actually even in the room anymore. You're so engrossed in your imagination is, is in the journey, middle of yes. all of it. Um, so it's also really important in developing story comprehension. Um, you're enriching vocabulary development and, and the concepts that um, can be learned in there. It provides an opportunity to hear sophisticated story syntax. So you may be reading a book that's about three levels higher than some of the children um, in the classroom would be reading typically. And so that more sophisticated syntax, making more complicated sentences and varying the sentence types. And especially for English language learners, that helps so much in them understanding. You know, for example, Spanish speakers, they put the adjectives after the nouns, but in English, we put the adjectives typically before the nouns. Oh, and so yeah. reading aloud over and over and over, that builds the language development in the brain almost subconsciously. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I never... I never thought of it that way. That's great. Okay, so um, it also encourages prediction. So if you're really listening and you're really engrossed in the story, you're hoping that your students are starting to predict ahead. And it, of course, bottom line, most importantly, fosters the enthusiasm for reading. Yes, and so piggybacking off that with the prediction and enthusiasm, mm -hmm. I would, um, I always read chapter books to my classrooms, to my classes, yep. and I would build their stamina so that they could handle longer and longer periods. And by the time we were close to the end of the chapter book, they would groan when we got to the end because they wanted me to keep going or, yes. you know, but maybe we had to go to lunch or something. And when that whole, when you hear that audible, like class groan, like, oh, yes. it's, it's kind of the most beautiful sound. It is because they don't want to be done and they want to hear the end of the story so badly. And then <sighs> we're going to lunch and everybody's predicting, oh, well, this might happen next or what's going to happen here. And it's, that's a really exciting time. Oh, no, I love that. That's amazing. Oh, really cool. So you reading off that list of some of the benefits of Read Aloud, mm -hmm. um, seeing it like that in a teacher book reminded me of sort of internalizing those things because I remember uh, teachers reading aloud to me. So I remember yeah. my kindergarten teacher. We had we, She called it the magic carpet, and I feel like in my mind I thought it was like some sort of fancy yes. you know Arabian carpet or something <laughs> and we would gather on the magic carpet after lunch and I that's I don't even remember what she read to us but I remember the magic carpet yeah. and I really did think it was magic when we would go on there and then my fourth grade teacher read Island of the Blue Dolphins in fourth grade and I oh I love Island of the Blue Dolphins it has it makes me laugh please continue the story I'm sorry for interrupting <laughs> It was a really special book. Mary, we were laughing because she told me the other day that she reread it as an adult and it wasn't quite as magical as <laughs> it was read to her as a child. So I might have to go back and read aloud that book. I mean, read it to myself again. I don't know if I really want to break the magic of that because that is literally the... I remember two things from fourth grade. 
And it was Island of the Blue Dolphins, and then we did a living biography project, and I remember that. I'm going to just give a little insight without spoiler. Um, so when when Shannon and I were previously talking about this, I said I loved Island of the Blue Dolphins when I was in fourth grade, too. And I was so excited that I did a book study about it in college when I was doing my literacy course. And it is dark, people. <laughs> it's, I'm just going to say... There's a girl who's secluded on an island. She has no friends. And then she only has the enemies of the wolves. And she's just fighting for survival. Really? It's pretty dark. But I do remember being so amazed the at how resourceful. The title sounds so innocent. I know. But she's a really resourceful person. Okay. And I could see why you would get so excited about it. But if you're struggling in a place and you're an adult, I wouldn't pick up that book. <laughs> I reread My Side of the Mountain last year, and it was the same thing. I'm like, as a parent, I'm going, why is this 10-year-old living alone in the woods? Yes, it's it's a little bit of that, that okay. vibe. But don't discount it, because that magic that you experienced when you were young, young readers interpret it at different points in their lives, different yes. ways. And so don't discredit that. Um some of my favorites, I will tell you, I loved Indian in the Cupboard. My second grade teacher read Indian in the Cupboard, and I was just so amazed that there was this little figurine that would come to life. And um, I, I loved that one. I also loved Mouse in the Motorcycle. Yes. Um, that, that one. And, of course, all the Roald Dahl books, the BFG and James and the Giant Peach. Uh, I mean. And Matilda. They're so Matilda. fun. Yeah, they're, but they're really quirky they are. when you read it as an adult. It's okay. Just keep that magic alive, though. Um, and I think that's that's kind of like the key. Um, you were talking about fluency and how important that was. I remember my older brother reading aloud oh. to me and our other siblings, and he would do all the raspberry voices and the high-pitched ones and the low-pitched ones. And my dad would do that, too. He would read poems to us and well, with all these different voices and so then I started reading aloud to my younger siblings and some of the books that were their favorites I still have them memorized yes so no I love I mean especially as a parent now I have a friend who just is so amazing when she does voices and um one of our favorite right now is the um the pout pout fish which is um this adorable story about this fish who is um can't remember what type of fish it is but anyway it has this like droopy sad face and he kind of talks like this and <laughs> I just can't smile this is just the way I am and then um this fish kisses him upside down and then he realized like if he turns his body upside down he's a kissing fish that's and so cute it's absolutely adorable my friend can do the absolute best voices for it and I was just like in mommy you know like envy i'm like oh you are so good at that i gotta i gotta take some lessons um but one of my favorite books to read to the class is green eggs and ham yes and i will read green eggs and ham very fast and the kids you know when you change the speed of something the kids just are in awe and um especially around the time of dr seuss's birthday um i will <clears throat> really act it out and uh, I'll say, so do you think I can read it slow or fast? And the kids are, of course, fast, fast, and it's really fun. So, you know, those are the, like the performance tasks that you have as a teacher, and the kids just 
but they love it because they, I think that they get to know a silly side of you. Yeah. And you have to let them into that a little bit and let them experience childhood in that way. And I think that books are absolutely the best window into that. It's they so are. fun, right? It's a way to play with language and everything, too. Yes. And then I've noticed the students will mimic my read aloud voices when they read them to their classmates and things. Uh, also, um, this is actually a, a confession, but I remember in fourth grade, um, I would get so into the character if somebody else was reading aloud and I would, you know, really change my facial gestures. And I have noticed there are many kids in the classroom as you're reading aloud who will kind of just act out what you're doing or, or change their facial expressions. If you're really gruff, they're, they're imagining it and it is absolutely comical it's that's so awesome sweet. though because that makes the reading come so real it's such a good way to you know know that they're engaged with you well so. we're talking about some memories that obviously we have still from childhood um either yeah. at home or at school and students have the same thing because of read aloud it really builds a sense of community and it builds so many memories for students absolutely. and i'm now a lot of my students are my former students are in their teens and 20s and they'll contact me on Facebook and yes. other social media accounts and most of the times what they mention are the read-alouds that's what they remember from my classroom too and a number of my favorite read-aloud books have made into movies in the last 10 yes. years so the BFG Barrow doll was one that I always read and my students um were so excited when that movie came out oh yeah and then um The Giver Yes. I was, that was one of my favorite read alouds because it's so um, high level. Yes. But the students can understand it if, with the support. Yes. That's an excellent. Wrinkle in time as well. Yep. And then um, Tuck Everlasting. Yes. And then all of the Kate DiCamilla books. But she's my one of my favorite read aloud authors. I don't know her. So she did Because of Winn-Dixie. Oh, yes. And then... She has made these really funny books. Um, your daughters would love them. The Mercy Watson stories with I the pig. I didn't realize she was one in the same. I yes. see. Yes, I love Mercy And then Watson. Tale of Despero is amazing. Yes. It's um, a really good sort of fairy tale book. And then I also got into some fractured read aloud books. Um, there was a book called Rump that I read as part of the... Well, the students were, it was a reading ball book a few years ago, and I was the reading ball coach. And so I just ended up loving that book. And last year in second grade, we had to teach fairy tales. Yeah. And so I read them Rump, and which is a fractured fairy tale. And it's okay. uh, Rumpelstiltskin from the perspective of, oh. of the boy, of Rump. And it is so good. And the Aww. class got so into it. And there's some sequels too, but we ended up not having enough time to read the other companion books. I love that. But I've had students, they message me when the book's about to come out on movie because they really remember it. And then one of my former students, the one who I went to her college graduation last year, yes. she found a, a poetry collection that I had the students read. Um, I, I mean, I had the students write okay. when they were in my third grade class. Yeah. And she'd written a little synquane poem about being a third grader in my class. And it said, Miss Betts, read aloud, love. And it was just so cute because that was the memory that she had and felt like she had to write about. And I was like, okay, I've been reading a lot <laughs> since oh, no. I started teaching. She was in my fourth class that I ever taught. So I absolutely I, love that. You, I, you can't really separate my teaching from reading aloud because it is 100% my favorite thing about 
every single teaching day. And I like that just in a moment's notice, if you have just five or 10 minutes, or if you're having, maybe your math lesson didn't go well or something. Okay, everybody, let's come to the carpet and we're going to read a book and we're going to all get calmer and we're going to all get better and we're going to be able to turn the day around and that gathering on the carpet and building that community time. I totally agree. It can change the whole day. It's the absolute best way to reset your day with your whole class. Absolutely. Yes. Um... So, but I will, even though it's reading and it's building that community, I put a lot of teaching into my read aloud yes. time. And so I want to talk a little bit about how I do that. I will tell you, I have to do, this is another confession time. And I think one of the really um, special things that you can do when you're reading aloud, no, you should always preview the books that you're going to be reading aloud. You don't want to get into something that's bad, but I do like to do a cold read so that I can kind of model my comprehension questioning as I kind of go through, um, you know, like, oh, wow, I wonder what's going to happen. Can anybody remember what happened? And, and when you can kind of see a prediction coming, I think that that's a really good Well, way. like, okay, you just recommended The Pout Pout Fish. Yes. So I haven't read that book. So I'm already planning when I get back to my kindergarten class, I will read that book. Yeah. I like doing cold read alouds too, because mm-hmm. I think it's really authentic modeling because I'm paying attention to what my brain's doing and I'm getting excited about the end of the book or, you know, wondering yes. what's going to happen next. So You've already vetted that book for me, so I know it's an okay book to read. I know it's appropriate for the students. I'm not going to get to something that I would regret picking up. So I probably won't preview that book. I'll just get it from the class library or the local library, and I'll read it, and I'll model exactly authentic reading thinking as I'm discovering the book for the first time. Yes. No, I I think that that is so important. I'm going to, I want to jump in. Maybe this is the wrong time, but I also want to just say that it doesn't always have to be a chapter book that you're reading aloud because, you know, we just mentioned that. Um, I have a series that I actually really love and it's Bill Pete books and he's written, there's one called, um, the Wump World, which made me think of when you were saying rump, um, that he wrote, um, uh, capybara, Oh no, Cappy Boppy is the name of it. There's he's got a, a slew of books, but I really, really love. It's got varied syntax. It's got um, a lot of more difficult vowel team words, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're a little bit tricky. So especially for older readers, you don't always predict how the story is going to go, and it's a bit of a longer book. So I would recommend any of the Bill Pete books. If you need to use a picture book and you're working with older students, and when I'm saying older, I'm third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. They like being read to as well. Being read to, and and people may consider, you know, you get to that age and they say, oh, oh, I don't want a baby book. Well, there are plenty of picture books that are not baby books. Yeah, Patricia Polacco writes a lot of high quality ones too. I definitely recommend Patricia Polacco, and if you haven't um, seen her, give her talk an autobiography about how she's dyslexic it's so moving i highly recommend that there's a video too where she reads the keeping quilt on stage to a maybe it's a reading conference or a teacher conference or something and then she goes behind the podium and she peels out the quilt oh the actual quilt with the clothes from her great-grandmother and things like that and like oh my god it was amazing so i was going to mention um higher quality shorter books too in one of our listener questions episodes 
I was mentioning strategies that work yeah. in that book. And in that book, they recommend a lot of very high quality short trade books. So there's mm-hmm. one called See the Ocean. Uh-huh. And it requires the students to really think deeply by the end of the book because the girl in it is blind and so she can't see the ocean oh. but it takes them till the end of the book and all the clues that the author leaves for this readers to infer that what that that's what the title means and there's another book in there called tight times mm-hmm. and same thing it's about a student who's going through tight times but a lot of students um haven't heard of that phrase before right. and so they're kind of usually I will um, do that book with a lot of um, post-it notes mm-hmm. and we'll either ask questions or mm. we'll make inferences or we'll visualize it's whatever kind of strategy I'm working on at the time yeah that book is really adaptable to a lot of different ones but they you have to lead them to infer what tight times is because the author never explains it mm-hmm. in the book but the author leaves a breadcrumbs of trails for the yeah. readers to understand cool and then um a lot of the Lucy Calkins units have high quality read alouds that they'll recommend using um, as mentor text to study author's craft. Right. Oh, I think I know which one you're talking about too, because I feel like she uses um, Owl Moon a lot. Yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it's a good book. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 the language that the author used really brings you to this still you know, snowy winter evening, yes. you know, with it's the very father. descriptive. True. Yeah. So that book like sets a mood and it can really show stuff um, uh, to students about quality writing. And speaking of mentor text, there's some really good books about how to use books to help students become better readers as well as better writers. And sometimes you can do the same read aloud. I would do it sometimes in readers workshop and writers workshop. Yeah. And we would really study. And each time we would read the book, we would get something different out of it. Sure. But a lot of teachers recommend the very first time you read a book to do it like a movie read where it's not a mentor text. It's a movie read where just like the first time you see a movie and you want to see it from start to finish with no interruptions. Uh, you'd, a lot of times that's great for the first time you read a book as well. Well, this also piggybacks on best practices of how to work with kids with dyslexia. So if decoding is going to be a long-term um, difficulty for a student, you want to make sure that you can kind of take a release of some of that pressure off. And so making sure that kids have access to good fluency, to um, you know being able to listen to a really proficient reader with, with really good... Um, pronunciation of, of complex vocabulary words and things like that, making sure that they have access to an audio book or an audio file um, so that they don't have to put forth all of the effort. Because just as your regular ed students benefit from this read aloud, so do your students with dyslexia. It doesn't mean that you don't put in the supports and teach the skills for decoding, but just remember all of these really amazing practices that the kids are learning. You don't want to necessarily take, uh, or you forget about that when students are struggling because we want them to learn the main concept. So this is a really good example. Um, we were doing a book study and I'm sure I'll talk about this when we do more guided reading, 
but um, we were reading from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, which is another chapter fantastic book. chapter book. And it was a fifth grade class. And um, I was co-teaching in that class at the time. And what we found was on YouTube, there was a woman who was reading all of the chapters of the book. And so for homework assignments, and when we would let the children um, have their reading time in class, we would actually just play the YouTube so that they could follow along in their book. And if the students were more capable of reading ahead, they were more than welcome to read ahead. Um, but for the students that really needed that really good fluency and it was a level or two above where they were technically reading, this was so helpful. And the parents were so grateful that the students had a resource that they could utilize. It took a lot of coaching on parents' part too, you know, mm -hmm. because we had to really get them to buy in that yes, YouTube and the computer could also be another really good way. Set up the computer, allow it to read aloud, and and let your child follow along. Um, but it's a great free resource, and there are so many other resources that do provide this. But um, when we talk about guided reading, I'll kind of explain how we worked that entire unit because it was really helpful for our guided reading. Cool. Yep. Well, I've mentioned strategies that work, and what I'll do is weave whatever strategy we're working on in comprehension into my read aloud time. Mm -hmm. I also like the the Target book by Jennifer Cervallo that has yes. all the reading strategies, and I'll um, sometimes choose one of those to work on for read aloud. So last year, the year before last, she has a strategy called, uh-oh, phew. And it looks like a little roller coaster, and it's yeah. how a story has a problem, and the problem gets worse, climax. worse, worse, mm -hmm. and then it gets better. Yeah, um, yeah, it has the climax, and it gets better. So I um, shared that little graphic that she suggests as a anchor chart, yep. and then I read the Nuffle Bunny. Oh, because yes. that's a really short book that has that. I love the Nuffle Bunny yes. so much, and it has an uh oh phew, moment. And then I remembered that there was a really great. YouTube video um, called by Scratch Garden um, called Plot Mountain, and okay. it's about that too, and yeah. how the stu you know the rising action, the rising action, and then there's that climax, and everything gets worse before it gets better, and so that we kept pulling that in actually all year mm -hmm. after those lessons, um, because when I was reading Rump, there were a lot of things and like that kind of got worse, and the kids were like, oh, I bet this is that worst part. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Look, there's like two-thirds of the book left, or there's one quarter of the book left, or, you know, it's really going to be the climax when it, it really is the worst moment before yeah. they have the big battle or whatever, right. and then everything will get resolved, and then there'll be a little bit more at the end, and then the story ends. And so those moments of discussing reading strategies yes, that we had as short read-alouds and then kept weaving them into longer read-alouds um, experiences. And then I would talk about that with students at the guide reading table, and I would talk about it with them when they were doing independent reading and reading conferences. Yep. And that helps us. That all is part of the gradual release of responsibility, where I'm not right. just going to teach those students that skill one time. I'm going to model it. I'm going to keep guiding them through it. And eventually, it's not a one-and-done thing. You know, we, we keep we talked about Plot Mountain all year. Right. And then we wove it into writer's workshop, too, because when they were writing their narratives, they had to write Plot Mountain. Of course. And they had to think about how they were going to introduce the problem and then how they were going to make the problem a little bit worse until it was the climax and then the problem was solved in their story. I often think, too, I mean, not only is it a really amazing 
piece to teach the components of reading, but it also teaches so many social skills and so many historical points. It also teaches, you know, I would find that um, I may talk about characters a little bit more and say, well, how do you think, you know, the character that we're talking about would relate to this problem? And, you know, if it's oh, a yes. character from the read aloud or... You would imagine like they were in your class with you as a correct. person. Yes. And I think that's a really great way because everybody already feels very involved as a class with the characters because they're part of the magic of the read aloud. So I think that that's um, really great. And then that's also a great way to bring it and tie it into your writing as well. Um, I would do that. I would bring the students. Um, I really love these books called the Shopaholic series by Sophie Kinsella. They're really silly chiclet. But the character Becky Bloomwood is hilarious and she's a shopaholic and she keeps making the same mistakes over and over. But she does, she means well and she feels so real to me. I'm smiling when I'm talking about her because she feels like a friend. And so I'll bring those books in anytime a new one is released and I'll show the kids, you know, well, I stayed up all weekend, you know, reading this book. I'm so excited it came in. And I would have students say, oh, remember that shopaholic girl? They would talk to her about I me. I love that. I mean, they would talk about her with me. And so, and so, and even, I think one time I read like a page aloud from that book that was a really funny page just to make them laugh about Becky too. And, and show also them that to the, show them that you're reading books. And yeah, that and that the get... author made this, you know, two-dimensional character become so real. And then I would tell them one time uh, I was reading... Jurassic Park, the book, mm-hmm. and I was stayed up all night reading it, and um, I was so terrified that like I went to the bathroom middle of the night and I was looking for Velociraptors <laughs> in the hallway and in the bathroom, but the book felt so real yeah. and I felt like I was there, and I think that that's what the students experience when they get into those longer chapter books with us too. They feel like they're in the setting that my students with when we read Rump definitely felt that way. Um, when Love we read it. the tale of Despero, they felt that way. Um, I ha- when we talk about characters, my daughter has been really excited about Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, and she really? thinks Fudge is the funniest character because he is. Um, and so we love Fudge, and she goes, oh, "Remember when?" There was the problem with the turtle and they had to get the dog and we like we'll just giggle like little kids about it. It's so funny. And so uh, another like really great, you know, how do you connect with kids? One through humor and books totally lead to that. And they do. So... They lead to conversations because my son, when we got our dog last year, he he loves making cases for things and he gets a point or an opinion and then he gives lots of reasons to support it. And so he's like, mom, our dog is just like Winn-Dixie and this is why. And the dog in the book did this and our dog does this. And it was just a conversation we had driving around in the car. So we really believe in doing shorter books and using them as read alouds for mentor text and, you know, reading experiences with the class, but then also exposing the students to chapter books as well. Yeah. Um, One book that I love that I discovered pretty early in my career is a book by Frankie Siberson and Karen somebody. She had a co-author, but I always remember Frankie's name for some reason, but it's called Beyond Leveled Books, Supporting Mm. Early and Transitional Readers. And it's a teacher support book about how to get students from picture books to chapter books And in that book, she makes a case for um, really explicitly showing students all the supports that are built into early chapter books, like 
the My Side of the Mountain book I was talking mm-hmm. to you about. That's actually a pretty high reading level book. But in the front of the book, there's a setting map. And I remember yes. in fifth grade when I read that book, I kept going back to that setting yes. map over and over and over trying to see where the character was. Yes. And a lot of early, uh, the Geronimo Stilton books have uh, their early chapter books and they mm-hmm. have like the cast of characters in the front and the American Girl books had that yes. too. I would always flip back to the... Oh, we're right in the thick of, um, we're actually we're on the cusp of American Girl books right now. I'm like, I loved looking at Samantha's family. I know, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so... Um, even though that book, uh, Beyond Level Books, isn't really about reading aloud, I used it to inform a lot of my read alouds because I would do those strategies when I was reading the mm-hmm. books. Uh, Magic Treehouse, I would read a lot of times to expose the students to, you know, like you said, exposing them to some background knowledge. Absolutely. And they ha- usually have a companion book that's nonfiction that'll go along with it. So right. then I would pause the reading. Oh, let me look at that fact and, you know, show them how to kind of go back and forth to oh. use some research. And so anytime a chapter book has those supports in it where it shows the characters or shows the setting or even the chapter titles, yes. those can be used to predict what's going to happen or as a review of oh what did we read yesterday oh let's reread that chapter title or let's go back half a page and reread and so we can get in the flow of the reading again and I need to pick this book up this is blowing my mind that's great I um I wondered like kind of touch on our parent listeners a little bit too if you're still hanging in with us um because I have a really great resource. There's a woman who has a um, blog and she gives recommendations about, uh, it's actually a free course about how to get your, about raising readers free course. That's what it's called. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, But she sends you an email every day for five days about her favorite books and what are appropriate read aloud books and how can you get your your kids engaged in reading. And it is an excellent resource, I have to say. And then she also has plenty of adult recommendations for books. Cool. I need to check that out too. Yeah, she's really great. Her name is Jansen Bradshaw. uh, Jansen Bradshaw. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to have to shout out to her on social media because I really appreciate uh, the little emails that I get from her. And it's a free blog, so that's kind of nice. There's some other really good books. The Book Whisperer, a lot of teachers have heard about. um, The Read Aloud Handbook by Jim Trelease. Which is really like the Bible. Like all parents, this should be required reading. Like when you come take your baby home from the hospital, you should be required to read the Read Aloud Handbook because it's so great and just gives all these tips and tricks to really inspire reading um, in in kids and, and make it so special. I do highly recommend that book. I like that you said special. I think that's what we've kind of hinted at this entire episode it's Mm -hmm. just how special an experience read aloud is maybe it's tied back to caveman time when people would tell stories around the fire or something and it's just something really elemental in our dna where humans are wired for story yeah um and that's why maybe my former students remember the read alouds the most out of anything from my teaching but i never thought about the caveman times but i think you're really on to something there that makes a whole lot of sense even some of my most treasured times are like my mom retelling family stories and things like that too. So of course that makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, we want to hear from the listeners too about what memories you have of reading aloud um, yes. or your teachers reading to you when you were younger or 
um, reading a lot at home with family members. Mm-hmm. And then also what books do you love to read to the children that you have at home or in the classroom? I realized that we forgot to touch about um, the Newbery Award winning books. Yes, so if, if you're, you're not sure, I mean, hopefully we've given you a lot of ideas about books to read, but if you are not sure. You cannot think of a single book that you want to read. Just go to the Newbery list and just go to the, your library Look at all the Newbery Award-winning books. Go to the internet and search The Newberry. Whipping Boy. That was always um, a good one. I have so many favorites. Um, the Hatchet. There's a lot of, like, boy-centric ones. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. But you're guaranteed a pretty good read if you're going to get a Newbery book, so. Yes. Those um, are chosen for the words. Caldecott books are good, too. They're chosen for the pictures. They're but... chosen for the pictures, right. Great. Oh, I could chat about reading and our favorite books all day. I think long. we need to stop because this is our longest episode we've had. <laughs> we can just keep waxing poetically about reading aloud. <laughs> Although we need to go read aloud to our own children at home. This is true. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. And we will be back um, sharing some more of our knowledge about reading. Chat with you next time. <laughs>